Good day. You look reasonably sane. I'm Trusty Patches, the one and only. We're on the same side. Undead outcasts. Fantastic, isn't it? Wait, are you a cleric or something? Yes, I imagined as much. Best of luck with your pilgrimages or missions or whatever you do. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's going right, Jake. That's great. We have a extra special episode lined up for you this evening, guys. It's not better than any of our other ones, I'd say, but no, probably worse. But the content, the content is what matters here, and we are here to talk about a rather important game, Dark Souls One, or Dark Souls, as some people called it. Made more sense back then. <laughs> Right? Right, right, Dave? <laughs> panicking. <laughs> the panicking. <laughs> so Dark Souls 1, released in 2011 by From Software. Um, most people who listen to this podcast that are confirmed listeners already know about this game, but we'll tell you about it anyways. Uh, Dark Souls is a uh, mostly single-player uh, action game. Um, in a third-person kind of uh, combat. I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. How would you describe it, Dave? I would say is a third-person, single-player adventure game. That's good. Yeah, leave it, leave it vague. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Don't get too specific. That's the key. I mean, combat's definitely a, a, an element to it. Mm-hmm. You obviously have upgrading of items and skills. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of exploration get to fight a lot of different uh, enemies and bosses, various NPCs through the game. So I'm throwing adventure RPG up there. Yeah. But uh, the the game uh, starts off like really slow. You can kind of play it at your own pace and the combat feels um, really weighty. Like compared to, especially for when it released, compared to other games, um, there wasn't really animation canceling, like so to speak. So you'll be fighting with weapons like swords, spears, shields, things like that most of the time. There are magic you know, abilities like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the big differences here is every time you make an attack, you are committed to that attack. And sometimes the opponent can, you know, parry you or dodge out of the way. And then backstab you. Or backstab you. <laughs> and uh, the bosses are gigantic. They have tons of health. And if you attack at the wrong time, you can just be wiped out. Yeah. So if you try and run, that expends stamina. If you try and attack, that expends stamina. And you need to wait for that to regen before you can do. <laughs> what happens actions. if you block, though? That takes stamina. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> what if you want to roll out of a way with those iframes? Stamina. <laughs> so some of it becomes. I don't want to say resource management, but you need, do need to pay attention to what's going on around you. Especially if you're fighting a big boss. Because yep. if you get hit. It might only be one or two hits before you're dead. Because yeah. you do not start off strong at all. And it's a, a lot of this game is based off of knowledge. Like Dave and I, to get ready for this, we completed a co-op playthrough. Mostly co-op. Uh, when the game let us uh, play through of the game again. And we completed it in pretty good time, I'd say. Like 
uh, it, you know, took us a couple of weeks, but, you know, we're working, you know, we have lives, obviously. You have a life, I should say. Yeah, um, I do, do things from time to time. <laughs> but uh, when we actually sat down and played, we made, like, pretty good progress, I think. Oh, yeah. And it felt good since we were so familiar with where to go and what to do mm-hmm. to be able to just do it with a friend and reminisce and relive the experience. Oh, always good to do it with a friend. Uh, the key thing I think for me was we had so much information about like where the items were, how we wanted to build our characters. Like as soon as I entered an area, when we were talking, we'd be on discord. I'd be like, all right, we need this item (laughs) specifically from this location. Skip everything else. (laughs) And that's definitely different than the way I think we played when we started. Cause we both started, uh, probably like roughly the same time the game was still pretty fresh and nobody knew anything no you aren't really given directions on where to go or what to do you kind of just explore try not get ganked by some (laughs) murder hobo who's right around the corner yeah and as you go you start hitting these checkpoints which are called bonfires where you can rest at and if you ever die you can respawn there right but a lot of it is figuring out where to go and then you walk into a boss fight you're like i must be at the right spot (laughs) yeah what's this white fog wall look like what's this for (laughs) we're gonna walk through the fog but yeah i think i think when i started uh my first playthrough i probably put over 100 hours onto that save file easily it was a long time because like half of them are exploration, and then the other half are deaths. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Recovering from the exploration. Yeah. <laughs> Running back to the point of exploration. But a lot of how you go through the world is determined by how you build your character, and that starts from the like the very beginning, right? Yeah. Character creation. Do you want to go more of a strength class, more of a dex for a faster attack speed and lighter armor, or do you want to go full cheesy magic? Mm-hmm. Damn you, magic bastards. <laughs> Like, right from the get-go, you've got some of those choices, right? Like, you can make your character look absolutely ridiculous in Dark Souls 1. This is the main selling point. (laughs) There's some great examples out there. Zero Lenny. (laughs) Yeah, Zero Lenny. Classic look. (laughs) Oh, who's the other one? Uh, Another one you guys should Google and then just, you know, come back to the podcast, obviously. Ed Wad is a hilarious one. (laughs) Um, Great stuff, really. But you you have some choices. You pick your starting class. You get to pick, like, a gift. And there's almost no explanation for what so many of the items do. Yeah. One of the things you can pick is actually <laughs> has no use. <laughs> Essentially is what the description says, or no known use. And this game loves to do that. But after you've set up your character, you've given yourself your name, it kicks off in earnest, right? Like, it actually drops you down, and the game starts off proper. And you're in prison. <laughs> Thanks, Elder Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> you don't actually know what you did. You just know you're a, a scraggly, unhealthy-looking unhealthy fellow or lass. Mm-hmm. And uh, some keys are thrown into your jail cell. And you kind of break out and you're going down a hallway. Yeah. You see a couple of other guys who look a little bit like you, but not doing as well kind of clawing at the wall and just hanging out it's like oh nice (laughs) these skinny pink guys (laughs) and so you dash through and you're in this uh prison and you find your first bonfire Mm -hmm. and these uh, big set of doors (laughs) 
which you push open. And on the other side, you see another big set of doors. So you go towards the big set of doors, and a giant demon drops down. Mm -hmm. So you say, The jailer is the key. Kill him, and you'll be free. Fuck this noise. <laughs> Book it to the left, where or there's die. Like a small open door. Did you die, or did I, you blow Our first time I played the game, I'm pretty sure I died. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I saw the door first either. I just, he sat on me, I was like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> Didn't know I was into that. Pack up the game. <laughs> So if you book left, uh, you kill a small guy or two, and there's some items on dead bodies. This yeah. is where you can get your first um, shield and sword or whatever weapon you picked for that starting class. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you go through the prison a little bit more, and you come up to another fog gate, and you walk through, and you're in the same room with that giant fat demon again. Yeah. Staring down on him, right? And he's looking up like, do something. <laughs> And what's fun about this is uh, the game wants you to jump off and, like, stab him on the way down. Have yeah. this dramatic plunging attack, right? But if you choose to wait here, <laughs> the demon does not wait forever. <laughs> it, there comes a time where he's like, all right, I'm going to kill you, though, <laughs> and jumps up and does so. <laughs> so, in some ways, it's punishing. It doesn't let you just, you know, take your time for absolutely everything. Yeah. But at this point, the game is giving you some hints through soapstone messages. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, you know soapstone, that's our thing. Yeah, cool. we left those for you. <laughs> and it basically tells you to attack while falling above the enemy to do a plunging attack. And you'll hit him and it'll do like a big chunk of damage, which really helps you out. Because compared to him, you probably have like a tenth or a twentieth of his health. Yeah. You have health. <laughs> yeah. That's about as much as you have. You have some health. Yeah, uh, this boss and most of the other bosses ha have dramatically more health than you. This is the type of game where uh, this first boss you might be able to like get by um, without fully understanding you know, his moves and things mm -hmm. like that. But observing bosses and finding out like how they'll attack you is like one of the key features for actually being able to beat yeah. Dark Souls. <laughs> and thankfully, the first boss has enough of a windup where you can pick it up pretty easily. Yeah. Like, oh, he's putting the weapon over his head. Yeah. He's probably going to come down with it. He's either scratching his back or killing me in one <laughs> blow. So after you've killed him, you kind of push through the other doors of the undead asylum. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just run out onto this ledge. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like suspended in the air or something. I'm not sure It's exactly. like it built out to something before, but a lot of the stonework has just broken down over time. Yeah. So you're kind of just at this weird stone cliff. Yeah. But you run forward, right? To the to this ledge. Naturally, you find a ledge, you gotta run toward it. That's what the game message tells you to say, at least the players, the ones players leave. And uh jumps into a cutscene. And uh you get grabbed, basically. By a giant raven. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not the Teen Titans one, just like an actual <laughs> raven. And uh, that'd be a different mod <laughs> yeah that would, that'd be pretty funny but it j goes into a cutscene and it's <laughs> grabbing you in its talons as it flies you across the landscape and you're like oh it's one of these games <laughs> thanks japan <laughs> <laughs> on raven wings you descend upon grass overgrown ruins a central hub for undead who have escaped the asylum you bear witness to the vast world of lordran through your half closed eyes branching paths to areas unknown. Before you, next to the bonfire, rests a crestfallen knight. This is where your story begins.
now that you've regained control at Firelink Shrine, uh, the natural path is to head away from there and uh, up this hill uh, to the right. You'll go up these like stone stairs, mm-hmm. and there's some there's some undead up there, right? Um, skeletons. Yeah, yeah, you got some skeletons, and uh, they'll try to throw some bombs down at you. Uh, they have some slow attacks. You can kind of parry them and like counter take them out. Um, I still managed to find a way to die here, even though it's like one of the first really challenging encounters in the game. Um, I try not to, though. <laughs> Keyword being try. Yeah. Uh, after finally clearing those out on the 10th attempt, uh, I'll go up the stone stairs and into what appears to be an aqueduct. And there's like a big rat off to the left. So the rats are scary. I'm not going over there. Um, so I go to the right and into the aqueduct I go. I see a light off to the left, and so I take that exit. So, emerging from the aqueduct, you make your way up these stairs into Undead Burg, right? And this is kind of your your uh, first real level of the game. The asylum kind of counts, but it's really short. This one is where they start to throw more things at you. Literally, start to throw things at you. <laughs> yes, they, they throw fire at you. Fire bombs. <laughs> I mean, it starts off with the skeletons are kind of very sword and shieldy mm-hmm. they might hide one or two you might have an archer here or there usually slow telegraphed attacks yeah and i think probably the most annoying ones you initially encounter are the spearmen oh yeah who block your attacks and then terrible flavor a... <laughs> i prefer peppermint <laughs> really wintergreen all the way yeah but yeah after you go past the one archer there are and I don't think you normally see them for how your camera pans unless you forcefully look up. Yeah. But they start throwing fire bombs at you. Yeah. And you, you get hit by one, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And you kind of sprint through into the next room. And then there's just three dudes who are like, what's up? Yeah. And they start all aggroing you at the same time. So you have to, like, uh, navigate around them mm-hmm. or try and pick one off at a time so you know, it's more manageable. And there's like a bonfire in this area. So you have a checkpoint. Like the game's not super, super punishing at this point. It's like, I'll kill you a bunch, but you won't lose that much progress. Yeah. And it's nice that if you're learning the level and some of the enemies, you do have a checkpoint to go back to. Yeah. It's like, okay, I just need to run back, get my dead body, recover my souls, Mm -hmm. which you use to level up and buy things. So if you killed like some of these enemies and then you died... Mm -hmm. Uh, you could run back, get your souls, beat the enemies, and you're like, huh, now I have enough souls to level up. <laughs> Maybe dying is the, the secret to success in this game, <laughs> which is not strictly true, but it is sometimes helps. <laughs> it's an approach yeah. to each their own. Right. But you can you continue through Undead Burg. Um, there's like a dragon will drop down in front of you at some point. This was earlier. And flies off. You're like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> um but this 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 area is mostly just about teaching you to be cautious. Uh, the opponents will punish mistakes that you make, and it'll punish you for being inattentive. Yeah. Um, it if really... you don't look at a spot, there's there's typically someone there. Yes. <laughs> and then they will show up very shortly after. Have you ever heard the expression, check a cornice? This is where it came from, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually you make it through all the way up. Uh, there's a tower at the end. And you, you walk through your, your fog wall, which at this point you're starting to get a little bit suspicious of fog walls, right? Fog walls mean something. I don't know what yet, yeah. but it's important. 
What's funny is sometimes it means nothing, but the game is not going to tell you when that is and is not the case. Yeah, it has a nice little niche way of saying, I'm going to fuck with the player mm-hmm. a lot. But uh, you, you head through, and that takes you to your your next boss fight. It's this, uh, just a walkway, essentially, on the, the top of this castle, on yeah. the wall, right? And you don't know it's a boss fight, necessarily, to start out. No, you just go through the fog gate. All's kind of quiet. Yeah. You just can't turn around. <laughs> That's the that's the tell. <laughs> yeah, so something's up. If you play an RPG and the door closes behind you, be suspicious. So you kind of walk out, and then you're about halfway there. You're like, oh, things are good. You take another step, ate another giant demon. <laughs> uh, this time, very hairy, a more humanoid, yeah. but also easily three times your size. Right like a up. giant axe. Mm-hmm kind of jumps over the other side and just lands and starts coming towards you. Right. You hear the music go and you just you're fucking booking it away like, oh shit, what do I do? <laughs> so if you were attentive when you first went through the fog gate, you'd see to the right there's a ladder you can climb up mm-hmm. with two archers behind you. But you didn't, and they have <laughs> shot you multiple times now. <laughs> yes. And then you got dinked by the demon and you're <laughs> kinda of fucked. But if you climb up there and deal with the archers mm-hmm. Which you can do before the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Because he only triggers when you go to that halfway point. Mm-hmm. You can then go trigger the boss, sprint back, climb up the ladder, and if you guys remember from earlier with the Asylum Demon, the plunging attack. Yep. You wait for him to come up, you jump down, and you get that early incentive of damage, which is really helpful. Yeah. So basically, now that they've given you the second opportunity to use a plunging attack, they're like, hey, good job. You remembered what you taught you that first time. You'll pretty much never use it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's few and far between but when you get to pull it off it is so fucking rewarding it is pretty great but you defeat that foe because obviously you're, you're awesome and you got half of his health in one attack from the top and if you didn't please pause the podcast here and come back later <laughs> yes this is we're gonna gate this <laughs> have to beat the taurus demon to proceed this is actually the first time we haven't said spoiler warning but i feel like it's really obvious now yeah i'll put it in the description it's a game we've played we're gonna talk about parts of it yeah yeah, this, the statute of limitations on spoilers has run out in yeah. this case. Sad. So continuing through that area, we'll speed this up a little bit, but your next NPC you encounter is the most important in the game. Sunbro himself, Solaire. Mr. Solaire. <laughs> yeah, invites you to participate in jo- jolly cooperation and gives you the namesake of the podcast, The White Sign Soapstone. What is that used for, Jake? That's, for listeners. that's used for stabbing people. <laughs> it's not that effective. Soapstone is not hard. No, uh, it's it's your, your co-op tool. So you drop that on the ground, and somebody... Uh, you have to be human, which requires uh, using humanity at a bonfire. Transition from your undead scrawny state mm-hmm. into a human scrawny state for most of my characters. They make them very weak. <laughs> So the human can summon in somebody else, right? If yes. they drop the white sign, so mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and in this case, <clears throat> after you talk to Solaire, the next boss you encounter, which is the uh, the gargoyles, uh, you can summon him in, and he'll uh, he'll help you out, which is uh, pretty legit. Or you can bring in players, but why would you do that? I mean, <laughs> I personally enjoyed co-op with you, Jake, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. No, it was good. <laughs> Uh, so very important for our playthroughs, um, and probably my favorite way to play the game when I'm a filthy casual is to co-op as much as possible. Yeah, it feels good. So 
Gargoyles is because of the first Bell of Awakening, right? Right, yes. So uh, this is the first stop on our, our, our quest. Undead quest. <laughs> yeah, which is the, the original title of the game. <laughs> was not as poetic. <laughs> but then Johnny Quest sued and it was a whole fucking thing. Yeah, it's Uncle Undead Quest. <laughs> uh, but the, the Gargoyle fights, the first time you're kind of like, oh, you fight multiple bosses at once. Uh, yeah. What, you don't know that initially. That's true. Because yeah. you have like a cutscene, uh, one of the gargoyles from atop where the bell tower is kind of comes down. You're like, oh, good. <laughs> and so you're fighting him. And then at some point, like a second health bar appears. You're like, <laughs> what's that oh, for? <laughs> oh. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's the first one where it's it's very convenient to have somebody else to help you fight. Because you can kind of divide and conquer and take these guys out. Yeah. If you're really fast, you're doing a bunch of damage. You can get through it on. You can get through it solo um, without like too much of a problem. But if you haven't really optimized your character that much, you're struggling a bit. You can get overwhelmed, and this just can happen later with another boss and a much more extreme measure, which we will get to. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is the gargoyle fight. If you complete it, uh, then uh, good job. Summon somebody in, probably. Filthy casual. Um, climb to the, the top of this tower and ring a bell, right? Yeah. There's a pretty mo- cool mechanic at this point, since the game is, like, pseudo-online. Everyone has their own world, but you can visit other people's worlds. Through being summoned in or invading. Yes. And <laughs> invading is... You don't get to pick whether you're invaded or not, other than whether you're human. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to summon people in to beat a boss... You're able to be invaded. So, yeah. So you have the option of saying, hey, I want the extra help. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, but it comes at a price. Exactly. You will constantly be at risk. But ideally, you and your uh, summoned in person can help fight off any invaders who come in. Mm-hmm. Yep. But invaders usually, they, they kind of know what they're doing to a certain extent because they're the one initiating this, right? Yeah. They're not the one like, uh, running through with like a short sword and no upgrades and rags <laughs> put all of their stats into poison resist they're like the grandmother doesn't know how to facebook and just starts posting on your wall <laughs> yeah. hey am i am i invading you right now <laughs> get like really late game and you're just like how are your items so bad <laughs> you don't have anything but i leveled up the broken sword <laughs> <laughs> yeah. way to go lenny way to go the uh but yeah, once you ring the bell, since it is this uh, like pseudo online, pseudo online, yeah, um, other people in other worlds uh, can hear the bell ringing in the background. If they're at the same spot, right? If they're in the area, yeah. Um, I, mean, I can't remember exactly how large the area is, but it's it's pretty. I think it's anywhere in Undead Parish, which is yeah. If you're around the church, you're like, oh, I actually hear the bell. So you know, yeah. somebody actually beat the boss, which is cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of like inspiring to a certain extent too. If you're really struggling to get there and you hear the bell ringing. You don't know what it means, but if you ever figure it out, then you'd be inspired. <laughs> I think the first time you hear it, you're just like, oh, I'm at a church. Yes. Done. <laughs> and then once you complete, you're like, oh, nice. first, first time you hear it, you're just like, that's the bell of awakening. I don't need to go there anymore. It's a new turn. I'm awake. Let's go. <laughs> um, so having cleared that, uh, you can continue... Um, on your quest to reach the second bell of awakening, which takes you under, uh, back through the the um, kind of near where you met Solaire, through 
through the depths, which is just like a sewers area, right? Yeah. Um, like it, other areas of the game, it's it's not too challenging once you learn the mechanics, mm-hmm. but certain things are very annoying. Yeah. Like there are frogs who can spew curse on you, and if you get enough curse meter, you turn to stone and you're dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like slime stuck to the ceiling. They'll try to drop on you and trap you and stuff. Just a lot of a lot of things to try to trip you up in these close quarters. Um, but uh, you can get some useful items for upgrading your gear as you're going through here. Um, but eventually you run into uh, a gaping dragon, which sounds really weird and is also just a huge uh, dragon where it's like chest cavities full of teeth and all this crazy stuff. And uh, it's not a particularly tough boss, but it's very intimidating. <laughs> Yeah, again, it's another one of those, it's 40, 50 feet long, Yeah, and you have to watch out for its arms and legs and other things. Mm-hmm. It's got like a proboscis type head thing, it's really weird, I don't know. Yeah, but just try and avoid it, but also hit it enough times that it dies. Yeah, that's a good strategy actually for most things in this <laughs> For all game. future bosses, please apply that. Yeah, have you, have you tried not getting hit? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, clear that boss and then make your way into best area in the game, Blight Town. Fuck you, Jake. <laughs> I know Jake meant it sarcastically. Yeah. It's... Blight Town is historically known as being a bullshit area. Yep. Because it's like a shitty wooden scaffolding as you kind of make your way across and down. Mm-hmm. Into like and a the... bog. <laughs> yeah. Which the bog poisons you. Yeah. On the scaffolding, there are guys who can blow darts, which poison you. Or, yeah. sorry, give you toxic, yeah. which is a separate type of poison. It's worse. <laughs> so there are certain items in the game to alleviate status ailments, right. like most RPGs. Mm-hmm. So if you eat a purple moss clump, right. it will resolve any poison you have on you. But it does not resolve toxic. Yeah. You need a separate moss clump. The blooming purple moss clump. Which is much harder to find, yeah. as toxic is less common. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun trek down. Uh, on top of all of that, despite the the fact that you, the player, hate the area, um, that's not enough. Your computer will also hate the area, and the uh, original Dark Souls that we're talking about right now, uh, this lagged the heck out of like anybody's computer. It's like a terrible frame rate. Yeah, it's just something about the shadows or what they were doing with rendering, or I have no idea what, but. It's it's just terrible. It's just terrible to get through there. Maybe that was the early stages of Bitcoin mining. <laughs> they, they were just using your machines while you're in the area. Explain oh, so man. much. Oh man, know how from made their money. Um, eventually, you do make it to the bottom after probably many attempts on your first try through here. Uh, there's another bonfire down there, <clears throat> and running across the swamp, you uh, approach the final guardian of the next bell that you need right so after you've gone through the bog you kind of reach the corner of this one area mm-hmm. and you start going up this white hill which is very different from the brown poisonous mush you've been dredging through right and as you go more up there's kind of like a tunnel you can go into but you realize that it's not just like a static white texture it is very layered and viscous and sinewy because it's spider webs. (laughs) Everybody's favorite. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're like me or anybody else who plays video games, as soon as you see webs, you're like, oh, there's some spidery shit going down. (laughs) And you start seeing these guys on the ground. Turtle boys. 
You call them turtle boys? I have no idea what they call them. <laughs> now I call them turtle boys. All right, turtle boys it is. But the turtle boys are essentially infected with some type of larva. Yeah. But I don't want to say larva in singular. There's just their back is full of pulsating It's like an egg grubs. sac. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. Yeah, it doesn't sound that great to me. So honest. you kind of just book by them. Because if you attack them, the grubs break out and then kind of latch onto you. Mm. So you make that mistake only once. Yeah. And then you get down into a fog gate. And you're like, I'm pretty sure this is a boss. <laughs> and you get in, and then the animation starts. Yeah. And you see... Do you want to? Oh, no, that's fine. You Go see this uh, giant lava spider come from around the corner like, Oh, I wasn't expecting you. Hello. <laughs> but also, on top of the spider, somewhere between like the, the head and back, is the torso of a topless lady. Yes. She the does top- have hair. <laughs> yes. The hair covers the nipples. It's a very sensual boss. Right, yeah. But this is Quaylag. Mm-hmm. So going into the lore for a moment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dave, Dave gave me the look. Tell <laughs> a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, there, there is lore here, but basically she's um, a native to the area. She has uh, sisters who are all in, involved in this pyromancy and this. Um, the source of the, the demonic uh, presence in the world basically and she's an interesting boss like this this spider will um vomit up magma create like magma pools on the ground you cannot touch those she has like a flaming sword that uh when she attacks like has crazy reach absolutely insane and yeah it's it's just a fun time overall (laughs) She was definitely a boss that I struggled on for a while, mm-hmm. but I, not to say I don't struggle now, mm-hmm. but I've definitely gotten better, and I really enjoy the boss fight, because mechanically, the spider will jump around, and you have to avoid the lava, avoid the sword swings, mm-hmm. and again, try and beat it to death while dodging death. Like, earlier you were talking about how important stamina is. This is, like, one of those boss fights where it's very important to monitor whether you can escape in a given situation to not like overexpend all of your resources attacking because she'll hit you with this like incredibly high damage sword swing swing and you won't be able to block because you're out of stamina sword swing sword swing <laughs> yeah you also don't want to get trapped in by the lava because mm-hmm. it is a walled area you yep. only have limited space so yeah it's pretty big but if you like mess mess up your footing a bit and <laughs> walk in the lava you'll have a bad time also, if she breathes up on a, a, a hill, uh, the lava texture like won't be visible sometimes. <laughs> You're just like, oh, time to run up here, and I'm dead. <laughs> so, don't do that. Uh, defeating her, though, you can progress and ring the second bell of awakening. Um, I think you could actually say Ding Dong, the witch is dead, and that applies here. Oh, yeah. Because she is one of the sisters and witches of Isolith, right? Yes, one of the witches of Isolith. I like how do I explain my own joke? Yes. For... Yeah. You got lore, lore backup, though, so that's all you need. As long as you smile. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, inexplicably, you're given a homeward bone at this point as soon as you ring the bell, <laughs> which allows you to return to the, uh, the bonfire. Um, and you have the trek of leaving <laughs> Blight Town. Um, you can take a different path. You can take like an elevator that's powered by a dog on a wheel. I, I, 
it you can't explain <laughs> everything in this game jake but it's it's a japanese game i don't know what to tell you <laughs> um but uh finally escaping you can return to firelink shrine and uh there's now uh if you talk to the crestfallen knight there he'll be like oh great like you hit the two the two bells of awakening awesome i don't care this guy's breath is terrible and you're like what are you what are you talking about man because you're dead <laughs> i guess that's fair uh, but you head up find out uh exactly whose breath is terrible it's a giant snake head yeah <laughs> yep that's that's the thing i didn't know we were talking about fran this is why i'm good, just giving you like the blank stare <laughs> yeah so this guy uh this guy's very serious okay, Talk- we're not cutting this <laughs> <laughs> oh no no this is content uh and Frampt basically tells you a little bit more about like what your quest should be that you know you should uh, go forth and continue the age of fire um so you you rang two bells to wake this guy up i guess it's his alarm clock I'm not really sure. Not one ding, but two. <laughs> it doesn't matter how separated the dings are, yeah. as long as there's two dings on there. <laughs> He's got like a, a built-in snooze <laughs> on the first ding. Uh, but uh, uh, he gives you like a little bit more guidance. He's like, hey, what you doing? Go uh, ghost in the Age of Fire. It'll be great. So uh, beyond our blacksmith friend, who I'm sure we mentioned earlier, right? Like we must No, have, totally yeah. didn't. Yeah, <laughs> no. Skipped over There's a blacksmith thing. in the game. He can help repair your items or upgrade your items. Was it Eric? Was that his name? Eric Andre. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> Drink cheers to that, bro. <laughs> Who shot this guy? <laughs> Who invaded that undead? <laughs> so the gate is open to Sense Fortress. You walk in, and the first thing you do is step on a trap. Where it starts shooting things at you from a small hole in the wall, which you did not see. Yeah. And then you get attacked by two snake people. <laughs> you then respawn and try again. It's true. You it... get past them. There's a narrow walkway over a giant chasm mm-hmm. where there are these uh, slow sliding... If you've seen, like, torture things from, like, an evil villain... Yeah. In, like, really old movies, they'll have, like, Swinging the blades. pendulum blade. Yeah. And it gets closer and closer. It's like a giant one of those. It's really slow. But if it hits you, it will either kill you or damage you enough and then knock you into a pit, which will kill you. <laughs> so you have a couple of series of these. There's more snakes throughout Sen's Fortress. More platforms if you step on, it'll start shooting darts out of yep. a hole in the wall. Rolling rocks. Oh, the rolling rocks. <laughs> and I think like in the our last playthrough in a co-op thing, I was telling you about how you can skip like most of the level if you just like run up where the rocks are actually headed at at the coming from at the right time yeah. you can like dodge out of the way and you're just like nope see a level this is again the thing where you're like i don't care about these items um this game's all about knowledge yeah since fortress is a good example it's, of it yeah if you don't know the traps it kind of just catches you by surprise every single time so yep. the next time you're like okay i'll look up for that thing but you have to keep remembering each single one and not mm-hmm. fuck up because otherwise you have to go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's not towards the very end of Sense Fortress that you have another checkpoint. It's true. And it's hidden. <laughs> yep. Like most things in Dark Souls, the little buffs for you or conveniences are hidden. Yep. 
which you'll find through exploring the next time you'll be like oh nice <laughs> yeah so if you don't know about that one you have to take a side passage get a key and hope you unlock the, the actual uh, shortcut back which almost no one does because it's out of the way actually grab the key so this game wants you to pay attention thankfully you have those messages those orange soapstone messages and a lot of times people will tell you when there's a bonfire coming up so if you're playing online you stand a chance at least right yeah but uh not long after that bonfire you avoid some exploding bombs being thrown at you run to the top of a tower kill a giant who likes to stomp a lot um and if you're human at this point, you can you can summon bro number two in for the next boss. And I'm not going to go over all the summons, but this guy deserves a mention, I think. Motherfucking Black Iron Tarkas. Yeah, that's what his friend's called. I even changed my voice for that one. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because if we both do it, it's racist. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, just one at a time. <laughs> yeah, Black Iron Tarkas, is, uh, he's got super, super heavy black iron armor, um, as the name may imply. A huge shield. And uh, basically doesn't take no lip from no one is, uh, is his, uh, his motif. He has the distinction of, depending on RNG for the next boss, which is a big iron golem, uh, he can beat him on his own. <laughs> it does come down to RNG and like who gets their hits and who gets staggered, but yeah. it's hilarious to just summon him in, sit back, eat some popcorn, and like watch Tarkus go to work. Now that I know what you're into. <laughs> black Iron Tarkus. Once you go Black Iron Tarkus, you don't go Back, back Iron Tarkus. <laughs> oh, that sounds so dumb. I like how dumb that was, but it wasn't scripted. Yeah. <laughs> Good sell. They won't know it's scripted now. You edited that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was added in post. Um, after you beat that, you have this nice uh, circle of light on the ground, right? So that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Nope, doesn't mean anything. Uh, you can activate this uh, this circle. It's kind of just floating there for no reason. I, I don't know. It's just there. It's something you put in the game as like an interaction. Japanese game. Again, <laughs> Japanese game. But and these demons swoop in and pick you up. Yeah. And apparently you're just like this portable for good time. play toy. It's like, <laughs> oh, let's bring him here. <laughs> and so you get brought over the giant walls, which you've always been on the other side of. And you don't really know until you got to the top of Sens where you're able to see it. So they fly you up to the top, and now you're in Anorlando. So you start walking down from the top of this wall, and there is this beautiful, gleaming, golden city. It's just at sunset. It's like that witching hour feel to it. It's inhabited by a couple of giants, but everything is very ornate. Yes. It's Every carved. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Because previously you had a lot of cobble work. Shoddy workmanship, I must yeah, say. Yeah, honestly, not that great. But everything's kind of beaten down. But this area is really, really well maintained. Yes. Absolutely pristine. There's like a break in one or two windows that you can run through. Thankfully. And uh, that's about it for the damage. But Anne Orlando is... Uh, it's it's awesome to behold. Like the first time you, you descend on that city and you see the, the vista you described, it's just like, holy crap, what is this? And there's some hope, you know, maybe you'll encounter some people, but that's... <laughs> no. No, not really. <laughs> you have one NPC at a bonfire there, mm -hmm. but she's not the chatty sort. Yep. 
Just another firekeeper. It's people who just maintain your bonfires for you, basically. I don't tip my, my firekeepers personally. Yeah. I don't believe in it. Here's some souls. They should just pay them more. Yeah. What if they get the souls when you die and you can't oh, recover? They, they would be so rich. Yeah. Um, but you can you can head through, like break your way into this uh, this palace here in the the center. You'll you'll fight like another uh, gargoyle or two, all right, on the way. To clarify, Jake's referring to the gargoyles you fought on top of the church. Right. You get to now encounter as a. A more common enemy. Yeah, you've made it. <laughs> if your bosses become like, oh, I get to face him again. Yeah. And there's there's some interesting places here, but um, eventually you, you you push your way through and uh, into this this palace uh, under the hail of archers trying to knock you off a ledge to your death, um, and finally get a bonfire in there and uh, can can push to the the, the next bo- next next boss fight. Um, which basically is always where I quit my playthrough and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a jump in difficulty. This is of course the Ornstein and Smo fight. Mm-hmm. So you go through a giant fog gate and you're in what is almost, I guess I would call a chapel. Mm-hmm. You have like a throne room really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like six to eight uh, really tall pillars. It's uh, surrounded by windows on the outside and there's a gigantic fat guy with a huge hammer, mm-hmm. and they're in full armor, golden armor. And there's another guy in full golden armor with a lightning spear. So How do you know it's a lightning spear? Because it's hit me many times. <laughs> yeah. And there's lightning sound effects. Then <laughs> the tip is covered in lightning. <laughs> this guy's got like a uh, a fox head like helmet or something like that. Is it a fox? It's some type of beast. Yeah. Is the shape of the helmet. Yeah. But it is really difficult uh, managing fighting both of them at the same time. Yeah, they both just jump at you, right? You've yeah. got like, hey, you know that time you fought like three guys that, you know, weren't like consecutive back-to-back, like immediate. Um, and they weren't that big of a deal. <laughs> Here's two guys. And they're a big deal. <laughs> a pretty big deal. And they're basically designed to make you hurt, essentially. Like, the guy who's really slow, um, there's one guy who's, like, really slow, and you're like, okay, maybe I'll, like, you know, circle around, kind of take him out or something. No. The other guy, uh, Ornstein, is super fast, and he will jump at you from anywhere with that lightning spear, stab you with it, hold you up in the air, and electrify you. Yeah, it's, um, if you've not used rolls at this point in the game, you should definitely start rolling here. Yes. So you can kind of just do a quick um, dodge out of an attack. To avoid the Ornstein impalements, mm-hmm. or the Smoe hammers, or the ass drops. <laughs> yeah. It's just a lot. But you do learn to kite. Usually you want to face Ornstein first since he's lunging at you so quick. Yep. You can kind of face him one-on-one before Smoe arrives, and to some degree. Yeah, you can kind of like run away. Ornstein will be really fast, chase you. Yeah. And you can get on the other side of like a pillar or something, slow Smoe down, and try to chip Ornstein away. Which is important that uh, you chip one of these bosses away because as soon as you beat one, the other one fills the full health. And the reason they do that is because uh, when one dies, the other one absorbs their soul and becomes an ultra version of themselves with the powers of the other boss. So like in Ornstein's case, if you kill Smo first, uh, Ornstein becomes gigantic 
is still stupid fast and does stupid amounts of damage and no one beats the boss that way <laughs> yeah i don't think i've ever done it that way because of that reason always go smo first Did sorry you... ornstein first yes and uh they they kind of have like just to take a little lore sidetrack here i'm just kidding uh, they they essentially um absorb the power of their defeated comrade depending on which one you kill in different ways so if you defeat um smo first then ornstein will actually like hold his hands over his his body in like a reverent manner mm-hmm. and like absorb his soul and become really powerful if you defeat defeat ornstein first uh smo kind of just walks up while ornstein's like injured on the ground presumably it's just like oh no he's gotta put him down just smashes Smoke him with the a hammer, hammer. <laughs> uh and just kills him to absorb all his power it's pretty metal yeah but empowered smo is usually still smo's move set nothing mm-hmm. super crazy he just hits a way harder yeah he's got some lightning aoes yeah mostly his thing that's rough yeah the only advantage to uh do the other way do it the hard way is um whoever the final one you beat is the empowered one mm-hmm. they're the one whose armor set becomes available oh yes this explains why i've never gotten orange team's <laughs> yes. armor set yep that's how they do it but eventually, after 15 hours of looking up guides on the internet, um, you might have a chance of passing these guys. But once you do, you will come across some orange soapstone messages, the most common of which being, Amazing chest ahead! <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, yeah, there's there's a, a door before you. You open the door, and uh, you see the one remaining deity that you know of in uh in orlando which is guinevere who has huge boobs it's true most defining characteristic to be fair she is a giantess yes compared to presumably whoever lived in an orlando were giants like this is the city of gwyn the city of the gods and they're supposed to be pretty big like there's statues of them they're gigantic yeah. guinevere is pretty big um I don't know if they all are, but that's a different lore discussion. But we've now cleared on Orlando. We've mm-hmm. gotten the Lord Vessel. Yep, she gives Guinevere. that to you. You can also shoot her with an arrow real quick, and you'll also just immediately get the old Lord Vessel. That's what the speedrunners do. <laughs> of course, you do that, and the lights go out, and it all gets really weird. So just don't do that. Talk to her. Get the Lord Vessel. <laughs> and... Uh, Yep, from there, uh, you have the ability to warp between bonfires. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yep. And you also get this nice cutscene where it's like, all right, you are going to, your goal now is to gather the Lord Souls, the bequeathed souls of Gwyn uh, to these these great beings. And uh, you see a cutscene where these barriers go down at different places in the world that would previously block, block your progress to wherever these bosses are. Um, but now. You can make your way there. If you know where they are. Yes. So a key thing is that you see some context of which doors are being opened. But if you're not familiar with the area, you have no idea where the fuck it is. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep exploring. Thankfully, some of them are near where you've been before. So there should be enough context clues where you're like, aha, over here. Yes. And the game is very open-ended. Like from... Firelink Shrine, you can go to all of these different areas. Um, and two of them, two of the paths you can take from Firelink Shrine, 
if you just kind of linearly follow where it goes, would take you to two different lords. You could go to uh, through the cemetery and the Tomb of the Giants, um, which is this completely pitch black area where uh, there's... You you can get an item that kind of makes it easier to see in the dark, or if you're using sorcery, which is one of the magics, you can do that. Um, but otherwise, it's a very uncomfortable experience. Yeah, you can't see anything outside of... There are these things called prism stones, mm-hmm. which you can drop on the ground, and they leave some light. Yes. But they don't really have any radial light. It's kind of that speck that you dropped of light. So you see a couple of these uh, strewn about to guide your way, but you can't see anything else in between them. So you hope that a straight line is the best option for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like as you're heading through this uh, this path through the dark, um, you, you see some other lights before you, but this time there's, there's two white glowing... Uh, lights kind of floating there in the darkness they're moving just a little bit and you're like uh, just roughly based on approximate size distance. and height and location distance from that, each other eyes. those are eyes yeah and then you quit the game and you never come back so thanks for playing no uh <laughs> reload the game come back in here and uh die to skeletal giants and the tomb of the giants go figure <laughs> or as we call them bone daddies it's true that is what you call them. <laughs> there are certain ones that are like humanoid. There are other ones that are more kind of like a dog. Yeah. Which changes up their attack pattern. And there are certain ones which are just pillars of bones. Yeah. Which have flailing arms and are annoying. Just hold up for one second. I'm going to put a gif of an attack of one of the the dog skeletons in here. So you can all see this. Yeah. Isn't that terrifying? Like that's... That's, like, unmanageably scary for me. Can you imagine that coming out from the night? Yeah. Just jumps at you from the night. Ugh. Don't want it. Anyways. (laughs) So you get through Tomb of the Giants and all the dark bullshit. You keep following the path of blue lights. And you eventually come to this really open area. You kind of go off into a side tunnel. Mm -hmm. Go through a couple more tunnels. You get some light again, right? Yeah. Finally comes back. And uh, through the side tunnel, you, you fight a couple more of these giants, a couple of these pillar skeletons, um, some miniature versions of a previous boss that just got a bunch of masks on his face. It's it's Japan. You know, it's Japan. Um, and he's much like the first boss of uh, Fury, actually. He's basically the same guy. Um, but uh, after fighting these miniature versions of him, you come across your first lord soul wielder right nito burrito yes aka grave lord nito mm-hmm. last name last true name burrito <laughs> and his area is like uh it's a essentially a catacomb you have to fall into it um and he emerges from his tomb and honestly just google grave lord nito real quick he looks awesome i have art of him above my computer uh because he's just that cool. Um, but his, his boss fight is particularly tough if you're not uh, if you're not uh, a faith class, somebody using divine weapons, right? Because he has these uh, bone daddies mm-hmm. and bone boys, I guess you call those <laughs> normal skeletons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that will regenerate over time. Yeah. So you might kill them, but then like 30 seconds later, they'll get back up. Yes. So you have to deal with those while fighting Nito, who is a giant, like mm-hmm. most things you'll encounter. Mm-hmm. 
but he's made up of all of these skulls and other body parts skeletons yeah yeah he's still humanoid kind of in rough shape but he's like this big sweeping cloud of death and he has like a little little bone head on top little skull yeah he's got like a cloak and his cloak is just covered in all of these hanging skeletons it's just like yeah kind of badass it's pretty awesome so if you're playing with a divine weapon when you kill his little summons his uh his his bone daddies as you call them and bone boys <laughs> and bone boys yeah uh then uh, they don't come back up they don't they don't uh rise again which makes the boss fight a lot easier which was what we did when we co-opted them right thank you for building faith jake <laughs> <laughs> but uh finally defeating him you get the first of your your plot souls that you can't eat usually when you beat a boss you get like a large soul that you can kind of like somehow turn into an item or you can just you know stuff it in your mouth get a bunch of souls um, can't do that with this guy. Unedible soul. Inedible? Inedible soul. Um, Sometimes I like to just not <laughs> say anything and look at Jake and see what comes out of him. It's great. <laughs> um, but uh, you can you, use a bonfire that activates in that area and head off to fight your next uh, Lord Soul Wielder. Do you want to take this to New Londo? New Londo is a good place to go. Um, we didn't do this one in this order for our game, mm-hmm. but uh, New Londo is just below Firelink Shrine there. It's uh, this area is just kind of more wrecked ruins, and it's all flooded. Yeah. Part of the plot here is you need to talk to a guy, get a key. Um, he's like, great, go deal with those those uh, treacherous leaders and uh, the, the dark. You drain New Londo. And um, this area infested with dark wraiths, or people who strive after humanity and try and steal it, is exposed. And ultimately, you can um, make your way to this this central spiral that kind of leads down, and then jump down the whole thing, and uh, immediately die because <laughs> we forgot a key thing. <laughs> a key item you need to hear is the covenant ring for Artorius, mm-hmm. who is known as the Abyss Walker. Yeah, which is a cool title. It really is. <laughs> Abyss anything. Abyss eater. Yeah. Abyss napper. Whatever, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But with his ring, you can traverse the abyss and fall down and actually deal with the four kings mm-hmm. who have been running the place. And you fight them one at a time, mm-hmm. initially. It, it's a cool arena, too. You, it's pitch black. You have no sense of depth perception or where you're going, really. But they just start to appear. And they're, again, larger than life. The sword swings are gigantic yes and you have to take them out but they keep spawning at like a time interval mm-hmm. so if you didn't beat the first one in like a minute the second one spawned it doesn't give a shit yeah <laughs> and then the third one will come and then the fourth one <laughs> and then actually the fifth one if you take too long there is a bonus king that'll spawn in <laughs> i don't know it's japanese game <laughs> <laughs> can i just be the tagline for the spotify episode <laughs> japanese game i don't know yeah but uh if you manage to, to cut them down in time, then uh, that is one more Lord Soul acquired. Uh, so only two to go. From there, you may go and uh, claim the soul of the everlasting dragon Seath. Uh, you have to like go through his archives. It's just a bunch of books. And um, there's an area in the game where it actually... This is the only point, I believe, where it forces you to die. die. <laughs> yeah, There is a scripted death. You basically enter a boss fight with Seath, who's this big, scaleless dragon. He's pale, 
a really smooth um, breathes curse ice like all over the place and you're like great boss fight let's do it let's ramp this up use their spells hit him in the face no he's on a platform you can't hit him in the face you have spells they don't do any damage he's he's immortal <laughs> yeah so he fucking nukes you and then you wake up in a prison cell which is a a tower bookcase mm-hmm. with a lot of gears strewn about at the bottom various lizard enemies yep. and more snake things tentacle ladies yeah maidens basically tentacle maidens yeah i wasn't gonna put the word tentacle in there no google it it'll be fine (laughs) don't do that (laughs) so after you go through here and escape you're essentially in the other part of the archives Mm -hmm. which are these if you imagine vaulted ceilings filled with books there's many floors you can go on there's an elevator there's ramps that rotate around a bunch of archers skeleton boy archers there's chandlers too mm-hmm. who give buffs to enemies <laughs> annoying cunts <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot of stuff you know how this arrow takes 10 percent of your health what if it took 50 percent of your health i i did not sign up for this <laughs> <laughs> sign up now uh, eventually you can head through there uh, get a shortcut you know open your bookcase shortcut classic you know in every game that has a bookcase there's a shortcut behind it and uh head through this kind of open field area with all these like crystal golems pretty much ignore them or fight them up yeah. to you and uh it, it starts to slope down right um, and that opens up into this cavernous expanse you start running down these giant slabs of crystal mm-hmm. into the crystal cave and as you go down everything's crystal mm-hmm. and again for the time it looks really beautiful the particle effects are aesthetically pleasing and not yep. over the top, but it's this huge fucking cavern. And it's sparkly and pretty, but at a point, you're looking off to where you are. There's kind of a ledge, and you're not sure where to go next. And there's a little bit of an effect of a crystal fall or snowfall, yeah. which kind of goes out into nothingness and kind of stops, almost like there's an invisible platform. Mm-hmm. And again, if you've played games, you're like, this is an invisible platform. <laughs> yep. So you very slowly walk across, or you drop prison stones, or if you're me, you're throwing daggers at the ground, <laughs> hoping to see what sticks. <laughs> and then you essentially have to explore the cave that way, dealing with some other enemies and golems, and finding the other invisible pathways to get across. Yep. Golems trying to ledge you, other <laughs> problems like that. Yeah. Um yeah, in our case, when we played through in co-op, we thankfully were playing online, and uh, it was the the invisible walkway was just covered in messages. So I'm just like, I know exactly where to run. <laughs> Thanks, players. <laughs> uh, clearing that area, you uh, push through some creepy, leggy, crab, clam-type monsters that I'm yeah. not a fan of. It's mainly because they, they have like a weird walk cycle, yeah. and they kind of walk they have like a noise mm. and then in their mouths it's just a pile of skulls mm, yeah. yeah 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 it's not great not about it but walk through there and walk to the end of this obvious boss fight looking arena and there's a there'll usually be statues around here of um they they look kind of like they're made of stone with like spikes coming off them and stuff um that is that's not foreshadowing of anything um, walk to the end of the arena cutscene plays Seath the scaleless flies in because apparently he can fly 
his dragon, I guess, makes sense, and uh, lands in front of you. Um, but the scene kind of shows you this crystal formation in the back of the cavern, right? Um, so once that ends, you're like, huh, I'm going to poke that with a stick. So you poke it with your stick, and it breaks. And see, so it's like, ah, my stuff. You can, then you can deal damage <laughs> to him. Yeah, basically, it's just like a plot mechanic, so he's not invincible anymore. Yep, no more cheating. Not much more of that is really explained, but then you get to go wail on him. He's, again, gigantic. Yep. He has this cursed frost breath attack you have to deal with. You have to avoid his arm attacks and his leg attacks. But eventually, you kill him. Yeah. And his... After Jake helps you for the fourth time. <laughs> and uh, this is another thing where the information kind of helps us here. We had fought um, Nito before this, and I'm like, hey, that set over there has like some of the best cursed resistance in the game. Pick that up. <laughs> Go over here, fight Seath. And it's like, hey, this boss is the one that uses curse in the game, so yeah. use that stuff. Because so... if you get f- fully cursed, like we saw before in the depths, you do get turned to stone and die instantly. Yes. And that's actually what those, if you ever see those stone statues in the game, there's like a few points in the depths where they're fixed, basically, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not even 100% on that. Every other time, it's a player. Who's actually been cursed to death and died. Yes. So the reason his arena has all of these cursed statues is because players die to this boss due to curse. It's kind of a big deal. Um, but yeah, he's beaten. Three souls down, one to go. Dead. Killed him. Dead. The last one is easily my least favorite. <laughs> boss in quotes. <laughs> Close bot. Quotes boss. Yeah, the uh, uh, for this one, it's it's below if you continue to descend from when you fought Quelag and mm-hmm. rung, ring the first uh, or the second bell of awakening. It doesn't really matter which order you do them, but usually it's the second. Uh, there's this huge... <laughs> there's this huge magma-like boss, um, and there's lava flowing out of him, and it's actually filling this chamber. Um, his name's Ceaseless Discharge. <laughs> I don't even need to make any jokes. <laughs> Your brain already made him for me. Um, if you beat him, then the magma uh, dries up, and you can run along through this long passageway, if I, you know, a bunch of other guys, and ultimately end up in this um, this cavernous area uh like below the earth, as many of the levels are underground, right? Um, and probably, I would say, almost everybody's least favorite boss of Dark Souls 1. Yeah. It's not really fun to get to. It's just a lot of lava. Not the best level design comparatively. Mm-hmm. But then the boss fight itself, it kind of wastes time by like putting you down like a ramp. So you slide <laughs> yeah. into the arena. Yeah. And then you're fighting this giant tree creature mm-hmm. which the only way you can kill is to go to either side and destroy kind of like a node yeah if you've gotten past the giant sweeping arms mm-hmm. and you have to do that again on the other side it'll, it'll knock the floor out on you too yeah in between these phases and it just gets progressively harder because it'll swing at you with an arm and it has more than one frame where it'll hit you mm-hmm. and it'll kind of slap you and push you into the hole yeah. So it's very frustrating. Like but beyond that you can't you're not damaging it. Mm-hmm. You're just taking out these three spots of weakness. Yep. And then it's beaten. So it's not exactly a boss per se, but yeah, there's it just <clears throat> doesn't use any of the strong combat mechanics that they built up for the rest of the game for no reason, like yeah, in particular. 
it's like they must have realized that there were some problems with it because they don't actually even reset the boss phase. They don't make you hit the left and right sides if you fail. Yeah. Like, if you've succeeded and you've broken one, that, that never progress comes back. progress is permanent. Yeah. So, not great, but defeating that, that is the fourth Lord Soul obtained. We can go back to Frampt. Go back to Frampt. Um, and he'll, he'll uh, at this point, eat you and put put you in his mouth and uh, take you down to the bottom at, which is this deep area underground and there's a large vessel there that you can pour the lord souls into you kind of just drop out of your hand one at a time it's actually like a high res cutscene too i'm not sure exactly why but it's that one and the one at the end like actually looks really cool um i don't know <laughs> anyways door opens. i like it too not, not arguing there <laughs> Uh, door opens because you're now you've proven yourself worthy reclaim the souls and uh, before you is a stairway down through a, a white abyss to the left and to the right and uh, these uh, shadowy knights will be walking in front of you across this expanse like ghostly images of the past yeah and uh, walking down um, to the base of the staircase you enter the kiln of the first flame which is the ultimate area of the game. Um, and this is where the final boss fight happens. But you start out here, and once everything loads in, after you've gone through that uh, stairwell, it is just burnt out. Mm -hmm. Like it was an actual kiln, and the flame has been dead for years. Yeah. You have these dunes of sand and ash. You have all these broken structures around you. The fact that you can connect over to the boss fight is, I mean, obviously level design, right? Yes, <laughs> but kind of miraculous because nothing has been upheld for what you'd guess like a century, yeah, or a millennia. Yeah, there's there's points where like the actual ground beneath you, the the walkways and the um, passageways are like carved out by the flames and just time and the winds blowing through this, and uh, it's just a really awesome, impactful area. It would be a great place to farm too, for certain like items and drops and things, but it, you're at the end of the game, so <laughs> doesn't matter so much. But you do get to fight some black knights while you're there. True, it's a good way to get all the weapons actually. And black knights are always fun in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But they have a great sword, a great axe, a great spear. They're just great all around. Yeah, they're actually just pretty great. Um, but, but once you learn the moveset, they're not the worst. I think you only have five or six of them. Yeah, they got pretty basic moves. It feels really great to parry them, too. You're just like, ah, knock to the side. Stab. <laughs> uh, but if you miss, then you lose all your health. So Risk-reward. Yep. Uh, after clearing those guys out, they're the final line of defense. These are the guys that are here to uh, defend Gwyn until the end. And walking through those, that final fog gate into the heart of the kiln where this flame has been burning. The final fight starts. Cue the music. Gwyn, Lord of Cinder, progenitor of the Age of Fire, destroyer of the everlasting dragons, and loving father. This is also the first time that 
the fight is much different tone than the others. Mm-hmm. Usually the music is supposed to amp you up or put you in a state of terror or anxiety. Yeah. But there's really a somber tone here. Yeah, this is really... It feels like the end of the game. Like, this and it is. is. Yeah, which is good. <laughs> this is the culmination of all your efforts is taking Gwyn's place and having the choice to either extinguish the flame or start the next Age of Fire and take his place. Yeah. And it's... <clears throat> it is a tough tough boss fight like there is a mechanic in this fight that makes it uh much easier for some players and that is Gwyn can be parried most of the bosses can't be parried this guy attacks really fast but you can parry his attacks and part of that is Gwyn at this point this is the end of the age of fire this is everything is burned to cinders his army has been used as fuel to keep the fire going and there's very little left of him he was a god Literally. Yeah, you saw statues of him earlier. You saw how big Guinevere was, but when you see him now, he looks just like a mortal man. Yes. He has a flaming sword, which is kind of cool, but <laughs> beyond that, uh, pretty pretty mortal. And uh, he looks really frail, but the start of the fight, walks forward towards you a little bit, and then just leaps off the ground with this sword swing. If you're playing like a low health build, this is basically where you die. Uh but uh, he, he, like I said, he has that weakness that most of the humanoid enemies in the game do, and they can be parried. Um, if you don't parry him, he's usually kind of a tough fight. <laughs> yeah, but thankfully you can still roll. If you have a lightning weapon, which thankfully I did, mm-hmm. uh, you can stagger him on certain hits to kind of interrupt his pattern, which is nice. Yeah, there's there's some other weapons you could probably have at this point. I'm sure a cult would be amazing against him, but like literally no one has ever made an occult weapon. There's one you can find in the game. That's the only one that exists. Um, but he uh, he's he's relentless. He'll try to keep you down. He doesn't want you to heal. Um, I abuse pillars in the fight a ton to keep him at, at length. Kind of struck the pathing a little bit, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he can jump around those. He can. So yeah, it is always a temporary measure. Um, but uh, once you finally uh, finished him off in the end, um, then then you have your choice, right? And it's worth noting that at the end of Dark Souls, um, it's really possible to have no idea what's going on. Uh, I mean, it's a Japanese game. Yes, it is a Japanese game. Um, they don't make a lot of it really obvious. And although you might have known your goal was to kill the final boss. Yeah. Maybe, you know, extend the Age of Fire. The option to not light the fire, <laughs> I think I picked on accident, kind of. I was just like, ah, no, I don't want to play the game a little bit more. I'll walk away for now. Yeah. You're like, oh, guess I'm a Lord of Dark. <laughs> Whatever that means. And you actually get to see the light slowly fade out. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the start of it. That's the, uh, the start of the, the Dark Souls franchise not the uh start of souls like games obviously demon souls technically exists <laughs> this is true but nobody talks about that one this is also true <laughs> uh but this one this one went on to have like a pretty crazy impact like and a lot of the features it brought right i mean it gets used as a reference for so many other games mm-hmm. i still remember when cuphead was being called 
Oh, the Dark Souls of platformers. <laughs> because of the difficulty and like love and care that's put into it, it gets used as a metric for so many other things where it's not necessarily applicable, mm-hmm. but it gives you a rough feel. Yeah. And the game has like it has flaws for sure. Like this far after after launch, there are people there's still some some people, you know, using hacks or whatever. And from Sasta from Soft doesn't have the best uh, policy yeah track record kind of on dealing with that either not addressing that at all or going completely nuclear when things are detected um but that all being said the multiplayer experience really defined dark souls being able to play with friends or complete strangers mm-hmm. or being able to fight friends or complete strangers <laughs> it's like it's like if you were playing legends of zelda but there wasn't that one room with Dark Link. Dark Link could just show up at any time. <laughs> you get notified that Dark Link is there. Dark Link is invading your world. Flash, flash. <laughs> uh, and that that tension, I think, is really what makes Dark Souls. Like, I don't remember a lot of games that I play. I remember specific traps in Dark Souls because I've fallen prey to them. Yeah, and even when you know them and you still get hit by them, it is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just burns itself into your memory by this necessary repetition. But kind of like a good, difficult game. Because Dark Souls, I would say, probably isn't crazy mechanical difficult, mechanically difficult. It's not like a bullet hell shooter or anything like that, where at the top tier it's just like impossible. There are people who are amazing at it, but you don't actually have to be amazing at it to beat the game. Yeah. like Everything is a pattern that can be learned. There exactly. are tells for moves. Mm-hmm. And like that core concept basically is what they built everything else around. It's like knowledge and learning is going to take you far in this game. Like a chest is a mimic. How would you ever know that? Well, you could be cautious. You could hit it once. That costs you nothing. Um Maybe you eventually found out that the chain on the side of the chest is laid the other way. Yep. Or maybe you'd look at the chest and see that it's breathing ever so subtly. <laughs> yeah. And there's just, there's so many little things like that where having a little bit of foresight or information about it uh, makes it much easier, which is why like you can beat the game now in a fraction of the time it took originally, because you know, everything you can skip. You know everything that you want, and you know where everything is. Yeah. Um, like, there are certain other optional areas in DLC, mm-hmm. or just in the base game, that we didn't get to cover, because there's a lot of optional content. True. But it is really fun to explore that content. It gives you more of an insight into the world of Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll get you a cool weapon for part of your build. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like the DLC for this one. Without going into the details of it, it's got plenty of great fights, um, expands the lore a ton, has some of the series like most beloved characters, um, and has the, the they do the whole like Final Fantasy thing of like, hey, here's that optional dragon boss that's gonna destroy everybody forever. Thanks, Calamite. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just the package of the content and the moment to moment gameplay. I remember when this came out, I was like listening to reviewers. Um, and it might have, it may have even been Demon Souls before this, but, um, and they're like, it's it's slow, like it takes time. You want to put time into the game, yeah. And it's not fast paced. You're not playing Call of Duty or anything like that. 
but when action kicks up, you're so invested in it because you know if you die, you've got to run back, you've got to reclaim your souls. To go back actually to what Jake said near the beginning, um, all of your attacks have a cost. As soon as you initiate the attack, you're invested for that animation, which leaves you susceptible to other attacks. Right. But it's that way through the, the whole game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you breathing room, but it always gives you a chance because every enemy is scripted. Mm-hmm. It has certain actions it's going to do based on certain triggers. So sometimes I'll try and like move close to an enemy, let it start the attack, and then when it's doing the attack, I'll start my attack from a slightly further range exactly, and come overhand with his Y. Yep. But it always challenges. Because yeah. like we said, we'll fall prey to like the same things we know already exist yeah like you can ask dave it took me like several attempts to beat gwen after we actually did the the co-op thing yeah because i've had a couple co-op runs of the game and basically the way it works is after after you get to the end one player can help the other guy in co-op but once that main host beats the game it immediately kicks you into do game plus once the credits are done so number two guy has to uh try to solo it and uh it's fun. <laughs> this is this is this is the one that started it. I don't know. You think maybe we'll eventually cover other other Dark Souls games? Probably not two, because fuck Skull of First Sin. <laughs> Look forward to the solo episode of me covering two. <laughs> but I really do enjoy what they've done with uh, three and mm-hmm. the DLC for that. Yeah, they've built off of that same core uh, gameplay and their ideology around it, but it's just a lot smoother. Like we said, Dark Souls 1 is a lot more clunky and slow and weighted. Yeah. I think I think across the series, they release a game. The sliders are kind of like in this odd arrangement. You're just Some things are in extremes. And then the next one, they're like, huh, that didn't work so well. They flip the sliders to like the other side. New guy on a soundboard, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, for the third one, they really they lined a lot of it up to, to drive it home. And that is just a really good game. Maybe we'll cover that one. We'll see. We'll take a little break and come back to it, maybe. Um, But Dark Souls is one of the definitive games of our generation, for sure. Uh, It broke a lot of ground. Broke a lot of hearts. It broke a lot of controllers. This is true. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for sticking to the end for a longer episode that we've had again. Um it's great that we have listeners out there who come back and uh, are willing to put up with us week after week with only a week break. If you have some specific ideas for how you'd like to put up with us in the future, uh, feel free to send them in to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. Or check out our Facebook page. We have that. That's a thing now. It's true. The information for that is in the description of this podcast. Probably. If there's a description for the podcast. We'll do it in post. Yeah. It'll, I mean, it'll be there. I just don't know how they're listening to this. This could be years later. Maybe descriptions don't exist. Anyways, I'm going to head out. So you guys have a good one and we'll see you in the next one. See ya. See ya.